Hi, my name is Banala Sarami. I'm the host to the Pharmacogenomics for Pharmacists podcast on one of the largest pharmacy podcast network. When I was a student in pharmacy school, I was doing research with Washington University, going to people's homes that are age over 65 who are homebound, looking at all their medications. And I realized all these patients are on the same medications, but they have different side effects or advantages to them. So when I stumbled upon pharmacogenomics, I realized that was the missing piece of why everyone was acting different with the medication. It's all the genetic. So I'm a pharmacogenomics coach and I'm also a medical science liaison for a pharmacogenomics company. I create content on pharmacogenomics, educating providers and sales rep to provide more information on the value of pharmacogenomics and implementation of that piece. If you're looking for a pharmacogenomics coach, I can be reached on LinkedIn and also to listen on PGX for Pharmacists podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the social media platforms as well. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast with Dr. Christina Madison. Dr. Madison's mission is focused on spreading knowledge about public health to create better communities. The Public Health Pharmacist is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Good morning. So nice to see you. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Christina Madison. I am the host of the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I have another amazing guest with me today, Dr. Amy Hansen. And I have been following you diligently on social media and seeing your transition (laughs) from working for a public health department, because that's so rare for pharmacists, into your new role, into precision medicine. And I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. So Dr. Hansen, um, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to just dive into questions. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I originally did my PGY-1 at Mercy Hospital in Chicago and then did a PGY-2 at Rush um, and then stayed on at Rush for about seven years as the infectious disease pharmacist Um, and then kind of, you know, co-led the um, anti-infective subcommittee and the antibiotic stewardship program, et cetera. Um, And then from there, I transitioned and worked at Chicago Department of Public Health and was a project administrator um, in antibiotic stewardship there for a couple years. And then I've been a couple months in as a medical science liaison at ID by DNA, which is a precision metagenomics company. So, yeah. Yeah. So you, you've had such an interesting journey. And, and like I said, I was like, so geeking out when I like saw your, you know, your, your background and your resume. And I was like, oh my gosh, another pharmacist that worked in a public health department. And so, you know, for me, I think, you know, public health is just this like smorgasbord of like opportunity. 
And I really want the listeners to understand that there's so many opportunities. So obviously you and I took more of an infectious disease focus. Um, Mine obviously is more with the communicable disease focus and yours was more in stewardship. But I still think that there's so many opportunities for pharmacists within public health departments because, you know, public health is really all about, you know, prevention of disease and illness and the health of the many versus the health of the one. And I just love the fact that you've had such a diverse background and now you're bringing all of that knowledge to your new role that you have um, with ID um, you know, uh, through precision medicine. And so, um, I just wanted to talk about like, what motivates you? Like what's kind of like your driving force? Cause obviously, you know, as pharmacists, I think we do a lot of passion work. And, um, I mean, I know that's what drives me and that's, what's my why. And so I'm wondering like, what, um, what made you want to get into this, um, you know, into this role and into this focus? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it it was just such an amazing adventure, um, really like learning my role at Chicago Department of Public Health and like just learning the landscape of the long-term care community really and the skilled nursing facilities. And there's just such crazy turnover and 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 it's so hard to really um establish antibiotic stewardship programs in that community and in that landscape so it was very difficult to to be able to to really like have a rapport with 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 those, um, with, with those people in that community. But once, once you do kind of establish yourself in, in that zone, it, it is really, really rewarding. And so I, I did really enjoy kind of being able to establish a rapport. And I, I think I did it more as an infection preventionist, um, during COVID more than in antibiotic stewardship pharmacists. Yeah, COVID, um, the great but doing right? those daily calls <laughs> really helped, really helped. Um, you know, they knew that I, I, you know, was going to have a baby and I was pregnant and when my maternity leave was and how ah, do I call instead? And, you know, and so it actually was, it, it was super, super helpful. Um, and that was, it, it was a niche kind of thing, but it, it was really helpful in order to not only have the infection prevention side of things, but the stewardship side of things. Hey, who do you have on an antibiotic? And, you know, and should they be on that antibiotic? Like that kind of handshake stewardship in addition to the infection prevention side was really kind of cool. So infection prevention. So I just kind of want to like dove into that for like a second, because I don't think a lot of 
uh, pharmacists are familiar with that, or even just like in general, sort of like healthcare professionals, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it is something that I know that's very common within nursing and very common within public health because it is something that we um, traditionally are relying on to get um, reporting of communicable diseases, right? So these infection preventionists typically are nurses within hospital systems. And I think it's really cool that you as a pharmacist were taking on that role. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit of like a fight or flight, like, you know, um, what what is needed right now type moment in in the health department in health departments everywhere including the cdc so that's kind of what we did awesome so tell me a little bit about your work within precision medicine because i know that this is something that um is becoming more uh you know more mainstream within pharmacy. I know the use of genetic testing, um, we're using it for everything, right? We're using it like PGX, we're using it to, you know, tailor drug therapy. Um, but in the ID space, it's a little bit different because now we're looking more um, at how are we able to not just target therapies, but targeting um, more precise knowledge around infectious diseases and how that may actually um, save people's lives. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so um, so ID by DNA is my new company and it offers microbiologic laboratory technology and ID by DNA is precision metagenomics, next generation sequencing technology specializes in the capability to identify pathogens where we otherwise would not have an etiologic identification. So we know from the literature that approximately like 80 to above meningitis or encephalitis samples are test negative and even with extensive workup and um, similarly, up to 60% of pneumonia and 40% of sepsis samples from any source are also test negative. So ID by DNA helps identify pathogens in these cases where otherwise the cause remains unknown and also detects antimicrobial resistance or AMR markers um, in 24 hours in addition to the pathogen ID. So um, we currently have um, precision metagenomic solutions for respiratory and then urinary tract infections, uh, namely RPIP and UPIP, respectively, which are both built on the Explify platform. So RPIP stands for respiratory pathogen ID slash AMR uh, panel. And we've um, partnered with Illumina to market these tests um, for almost 300 bacteria and viruses and fungi. And we've currently developed UPIP, which is our urinary pathogen ID slash AMR panel. And I should also state that our, our solutions are research use only. So I'm not trying to kind of claim about uh, use of our solutions, how it translates to improvement of clinical outcomes, but 
we will see um, in large uh, randomized perspective clinical trials comparative to standard of care, additionally how um, precision metagenomics kind of performs. So that's sort of the, the elevator speech or the gist of it. <laughs> so you're basically getting in on the ground floor, right? So this is like the foundation of what potentially could be used in the future to impact clinical care. And I know you have a very personal story of why this is something that you're interested in um, and something that you've talked about um, publicly that you feel like these kinds of solutions are really needed um, in a real world situation because again, it could be the difference between life and death if we can really distinguish between whether or not someone has a specific pathogen or doesn't have a specific pathogen. Yeah, I mean, that like super hits home. I mean, um, so my first um, child was a micro preemie and um, she was super sick. Um, and like, I feel like every holiday, like it was July 4th and, um, and I remember like Dr. Singh, like literally on like Sunday while I was in church, like telling me like that it was pseudomonas and maybe an enterobacter ACA and like maybe an enterobacter, maybe a clebsiella. I think she had clebsiella lactose in her urine, but like um, it, yeah, like that on July 4th, not the fireworks I was expecting. <laughs> um, kind of crazy, but, um, but, but so important. Like I look at like, what my company right now offers and like I, like i wish i wish that i could have had that information like earlier you know and even just to know like it's not just the steroids that are that are helping along the course of a viral illness like it's it's actually like now a secondary bacterial infection and this is like what's going on like I wish I would have known all of those things then um so and 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 also having the AMR markers like being like okay yeah like you know it's an it's an enterobacter like oh do we see MC in children like we did end up actually researching that um, which was really cool, but, I, but at that time I didn't actually know. And like the top attending neonatologists, like also didn't know along with me. And so like, I, I wish, I wish that we like would have had that information earlier and in being able to have like precision metagenomics and having all of the information at your fingertips at the time of diagnosis and, and not having to come up with a differential diagnosis, like just actually having that information earlier 
would have been really clutch and really cool. Yeah, and and here's the thing, like you as a infectious disease pharmacist specialist, like you were still a mom and you were still dealing with all of these things and wanting your child to live. And it's like, it's so stressful. And even with all that knowledge and even with being able to advocate for yourself as a, as a mom of a, another child that was also a NICU baby um, yes. and has, you know, some challenges now, like I get it. Like I, I so... I get it. I hear you. I see you. I, I don't want to want you to feel like you're alone. Um, because so often as professionals and as women, we don't talk about those kinds of struggles. Yeah. And I know that you've experienced just also kind of craziness and in terms of how <laughs> is that what we're calling it? treated we talked about that I don't, I don't yeah we don't have to get into it but like oh my god <laughs> yeah no I mean I, as a woman of color it's it's hard you know I've experienced um you know discrimination and and uh even as a woman that, that is a professional and being able to advocate for myself I've been pretty open about um, the fact that I had complications after my second pregnancy, um, that, you know, I had to go back to the ER twice before I was admitted, before I was believed, because, you know, unfortunately, they didn't see a clinical pharmacist. They saw a woman of color and they assumed that I was drug seeking. And unfortunately, yeah. um, I think that happens a lot um, in our, you know, and unfortunately, it's embedded and the way that we train our healthcare professionals that, you know, there's this thought process that, you know, individuals of color, you know, don't perceive pain as much, or they, um, you know, are, you know, their skin is thicker or like all of these things that are complete misnomers that don't have any bearings within our healthcare system. Even just the fact that modern obstetricians and um, gynecologists training was on the backs of enslaved peoples and enslaved women, right? And so, you know, looking at me as a patient and not looking at me as an experiment. And unfortunately, we are still seeing the ramifications of that within our elevated, uh, you know, maternal mortality rate with women of color uh, dying, uh, you know, within the postpartum period um, and therefore, you know, having complications that are not being recognized uh, at five times the rate of their, you know, their counterparts. And so anything we can do to objectify things and make things less subjective and give answers, I think is, is a way forward. And it's a way for medicine to unfortunately write some of those wrongs that we've done in the past um, to, you know, some of our marginalized populations. So um, obviously that was a little heavy, um, but I I do really feel that, uh, you know, the work that you're doing, um, you know, that you're, you're talking about your experience, you're talking about um, you know, your first child and, you know, the struggle that you had with um, that experience and how some of these newer technologies really could have helped, um, I think is 
a breath of fresh air. And I commend you for talking about it and for the work that you're doing. Um, and I hope that, you know, the experience that you had within public health um, continues to guide you in your work. Um, and so, you know, with that, I, I always ask guests, you know, what do they feel like public health means to them? And, you know, what words of wisdom would they tell like their younger self if they knew what they do now, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I honestly like just the, the leadership that I've seen in, um, and just in, Dr. Stephanie Black is, is the chemical disease director. Um, and, and, oh my gosh, Dr. Awadi, Dr. Allison Awadi, um, the commissioner of the health department at Chicago Department of Health. I mean, I have literally like, I, I, I love their leadership and it's really like just made me so enthused and, and so, so happy just to have learned from them. So I think that that's a main takeaway message. I think for me is that they've just really motivated me to, to be a, a better practitioner and, and, learned so much from them so um it's kind of like a nerdy a nerdy answer but <laughs> that's, that's okay and I think I that, well and I think that that's meaningful right because so much of the time you know we talk about the glass ceiling and women within our profession and not yeah. having appropriate examples of what we can strive for, right? So I always say, if you can see mm -hmm. it, you can be it. And if we don't have examples of other female leaders, it's very difficult for us to want to aspire to leadership positions right. and to make meaningful impacts. And, and I told myself, you know, when I first, um, you know, started my consulting business, one of the main things that I told myself that I wanted to do is that I wanted to make a concerted effort to be in the room where decisions were being made. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the crux of what women and women who want to be leaders truly want to do. We just want to be in the room, right? So, and then obviously as a, as a woman of color, you know, having decisions in particular decisions around healthcare being made without our input, right? And so like one of the best um, quotes that I saw when, you know, sort of everything was going on with like the racial injustice and George Floyd and everything is this thought process around nothing about us without us. Mm -hmm. which I think is so poignant, right? So, you know, we're seeing it right now with reproductive rights. You know, you saw a sea of men in a congressional hall signing legislation against, you know, abortion. Like, where are right. the women, right? Like, <laughs> why? Like, it makes no sense. 
Like, why are we talking about reproductive rights with a bunch of people who don't have vaginas? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I just, I just feel like Absolutely. we need to be in the room where these decisions are being made, and we no longer have the luxury of having these decisions being made without the population that it directly impacts. Like, it's just we. I have no more. I have no more uh, ability to think that that's okay. And I think right. that we as healthcare professionals can demand that and should be respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I agree with that. You know, you said it's a nerdy answer, but I don't think it is. I think that that is the crux of what we need. And we need more female leadership and we need more female leadership that leads to more female leadership, right? Because you are, were so impacted by their guidance that that made you feel like you could move on and now be a leader within the organization that you're now with. I mean, absolutely. Like I look at, you know, at Chicago Department of Public Health, Dr. Stephanie Black, And she was very heavily influenced by Dr. Mary Hayden, who is the president of Shea. Um, And I was lucky enough to speak at Shea this this year. And yeah, and Dr. Arwadi, like, oh my gosh, like I always listen to her like at NPR and stuff and, and just, like geek out at, at how amazing she's able to to talk to um, talking about COVID and and everything else. So it is very very cool. Awesome. Well, this has been such a great conversation, um, Amy. I I respect you so much and what you're doing, and I look forward to seeing where this new position takes you. Um, I will continue to follow you on social media. So if other people want to do the same or want to contact (laughs) you, how can they get in touch with you? How can they follow your journey? How can they see, um, you know, the amazing um, things that you're doing within the digital health space and within the precision medicine space? Yeah. um, So I'm on uh, social media and then um, my direct email address is a Hanson. So a H A N S O N at ID by DNA. So that would be a direct way to contact me. And what are your social media handles? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. Well, I will make sure that they are in the show notes. Um, but oh. Dr. Amy Hansen, uh, I'm sure if you Google her name, you will see all of her amazing accolades. And then my favorite uh, social media du jour is LinkedIn, um, which is actually how we connected, um, which I highly recommend. Um, if you're not on LinkedIn, you are missing out. Um, it is one of the fastest growing professional um, resources. And it really is one of the last, I think, areas of true organic 
um, you know, growth within your social media network. And I have been so fortunate that I have had so many amazing connections that I have met um, from people through, through LinkedIn, including a pharmacist that I know that works um, all the way in Australia, right? So like you can literally, you know, meet anybody from anywhere in the world. And, you know, I, I truly believe in that, you know, saying about if you can see it, you can be it. And so if you see somebody that is doing something that you want to do, follow them and talk to them, you know, uh, I, I'm going to, you know, pretend like I'm, you know, part of the youth and I'll say slide into their DM. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know? so I love the Aussies. Yeah. Like, so, like, I mean, talk about, you know, like, talk <laughs> that's the thing. Like I, I've, I've had such success with like cold, you know, cold, quote unquote, cold calling right. people through LinkedIn that like, I don't think I would ever have had that same success if I had done something like that and like emailed them or like tried to like get them on a different, you know, social media platform. So, um, yeah, if you, if you see somebody that is doing something that you want to do, contact them and, you know, follow them and get to know them and And networking for like jobs. Totally. So much. So, so by the way, Where are are you? About to end, <laughs> I mean, how did you get your job? Did you get? Yeah, LinkedIn. <laughs> no easy. Uh, very simple. I was like, okay, Benjamin Briggs, like he was on my anti-infective subcommittee and he actually was one of the physicians that cared for my daughter. And like, okay you know and and then all of a sudden like he's my boss at a new company like very cool but um yeah I mean it's it's a very simple way to network and and even if like it it isn't like a good match and you know like it's not the direct answer in terms of like your next position it's still a good way to network in terms of like just kind of like jamming and and being nerdy and and sharing ideas and and maybe just like networking in terms of the next research idea like that all of those things I think are still very valuable yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And again, as a for, as a fellow public health nerd, um, I totally, um, you know, love seeing, you know, the content that you produce, and I always learn something new. So keep doing what you're doing. And like I said, um, I, I'm definitely a fan, and I'm so grateful that we connected. Um, because I do, I do think that, um, you know, that these these types of, of friendships, um, partnerships, it, it does make a difference, especially when you're, you know, potentially looking for another job, right? Because you never know, like, you never know who's listening, you never know who's in the room. So, you know, always put your, you know, yeah. your best foot forward, and say what you mean, and be authentic, because again, you never know who's listening, and that could lead to your next, you know, job, it could lead to your next opportunity, and yeah, I, I just, um, you know, the sky's the limit.
Absolutely. Love that. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I will leave an open invitation to you to come back anytime, um, Dr. Hansen, and you know, you can tell me what's going on with the latest and greatest in precision medicine and infectious disease. And so until then, let's say that this is part one and hopefully we will have you back on the podcast again soon. I love that. That sounds good to me. Awesome. Time is our most precious asset, and we thank you for spending your time with us and Dr. Madison, the public health pharmacist. Learn more at thepublichealthpharmacist.com.